This is Larie Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. Dr. Chanda Prescott-Weinstein, uh, who is a, just, I'm just going to tell you right now, she's brilliant. Just take my word for it, she's brilliant. I'm going to tell you why she's brilliant in a minute, but just take my word for it. She's brilliant. Uh, she is the 54th, <laughs> the 54th black American woman to earn a PhD from a department of physics. Uh, she is, uh, claims her citizenry as both United States and Barbados a descendant of Afro-Caribbean and Ashkenazi Jewish immigrants. She describes herself as a nonlinear combination of theoretical particle physicist, particle cosmology theorist, theoretical cosmologist, and particle astrophysicist. I'm not sure I accurately pronounced those phrases and terms. I'm hoping that Dr. Prescott-Weinstein will have mercy on my brain uh, and correct me where I'm wrong. Welcome to the show, uh, Dr. Prescott-Weinstein. Pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And wow, you read my website carefully. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I believe in preparation, okay? If you, <laughs> I know what I went through just to get a JD. I am not going to show up and not be fully representative of Black Genius when I'm speaking uh, with so many Black Genius guests that we have here on the show. So yes, yes, I did. But now, having read it so carefully, I need you to explain to me and to the rest of us, what does it mean to be a nonlinear combination of all of those things? And how do you use it in your practice. Yeah, I appreciate you so much. And I'm, you. you know, I, I guess part of it actually is my family asks me, like, what are you? Are you a theoretical physicist? Are you an astrophysicist? Are you a particle physicist? And so eventually, I just kind of gave up and started telling people <laughs> that I'm actually all of those things. My research um, focuses on dark matter, mm. primarily. And so I'm very interested in trying to understand this mysterious substance. It makes up most of the matter in the universe. We can detect it by using astronomical observations, but we've never like felt it in our hands or had it like here on Earth or anything like that. Um, so... That requires drawing from particle physics. It also requires drawing from astrophysics. So I do all of these things together. And when I say I'm a, a, a nonlinear combination of them, I mean, like, on some days I'm more astrophysicist and on some days I'm more particle physicist. And it varies day to day. Well, that is the beauty of Black Genius is that we can morph into what we need to <laughs> at any given moment, uh, sometimes by force, sometimes by choice. So it's, it's always a beautiful thing to see it when it shows up uh, in excellence. And so you just mentioned dark matter and my mind immediately went to science fiction and I immediately thought, OK, well, dark matter. I know very little about this. Is this what I'm seeing at the night sky when I look up and all I see is black or is that just absence of sunlight? When we say dark matter, it's something we can it's nothing that we can hold, but it's something that exists. What is it and how do we know it's actually there? Yeah, so this is a really fantastic question. So when you're looking at the night sky and it seems dark, um, you know, in, in the, the colloquial sense of, of, of the word dark, that means that there's just like no light there, right? And so it's not illuminated for us. And of course, the night sky is not entirely unilluminated, right? Like there's um, you know, sometimes you can see the moon depending on where the, the moon is, and sometimes you can see stars. And so there are actually things that we would call luminous. There are bright objects in the sky. Sometimes you can see Venus. Sometimes you can see Mars. 
Um, if you have a telescope or binoculars, you can see even more than that. There are comets. So there are all kinds of things in the sky that are shining and shining brightly so that we're able to see them, whether it's in the daytime or the nighttime, right? Dark matter, on the other hand, is a substance that's out there that light just goes completely through. And so actually calling it dark matter can be a little bit confusing, I think, because it's actually clear or transparent. Light goes right through it as if it's not there because the light doesn't um, interact with it, is how we would say it in physics speak. But it just goes right through it. It's clear, it's transparent, and so actually it probably should be called like invisible matter or something like that. So the wait, as, as, as I, just a, a clarifying question. So as light is yes. passing through dark matter, are we still able to see the light or does the light yes. disappear? Yes. Oh, the light okay. is literally like if you had a clump of dark matter in your hands, if it was possible to put a clump of dark matter in your hands, you would feel it because it would feel heavy, right? Because the matter, it has mass the way like your baby has mass. And so when the baby is in your hands, you can feel the baby in your hands, right? Um, but what's different is if there's a baby or something else that's heavy in your hands, you can't see your hands anymore because you see whatever mm. is in your hands. But mm. with dark matter, actually, the light would go right through and you would still see your hands. You would feel the weight, but you wouldn't see what is causing that weight to be there. Mm. So that's something that's really different. It's, and it's not, it's not something from everyday life, right? Right, right. Huh. So you just taught me a ton of things. I feel smarter <laughs> and simultaneously burdened by my own lack of knowledge at the same darn time. And as I'm hearing this, I, I'm thinking about conversations I've had when I was thinking, when I thought I was going to go to medical school before I realized that science and I did not have the same type of relationship that you have with science. Um, I was thinking, you know, I had questions about the topic of dark matter, I totally misunderstood it. But for me, the question of dark matter interacted with the idea of melanin. I remember being young and, you know, hearing, you know, conscious hip hop and, and folks talk about the melanin in the stars. And then I realized that you actually study the, the energy of, of melanin or you talk about melanin um, and its impact and what it is. Can you talk to us a little bit about how melanin is a conductor of electricity and what does that even mean um, beyond what it meant to me as as a 13, 14 year old girl who was a science fiction nerd uh, before I had to make other decisions in my life? Yeah, you know, melanin is a biomolecule, right? So it's very different from dark matter in, in the substantive sense that like, as I was just explaining, dark matter is invisible. And actually, the reason that we are so confident that dark matter exists is because it affects the motions of stars and galaxies. And so we look at galaxies and we expect stars to move a certain way. And then they move as if the galaxies have more stuff in them than what we can see. And so, again, that suggests that there is this invisible matter, right? It's something that light is going right through. It doesn't radiate. It doesn't like light doesn't interact with it in any way. So melanin is completely different from that, right? Because, you know, black folks, we can see each other. <laughs> right. We have melanin in our skin. We have melanin in our hair. We have melanin in our eyes. Um, there are lots of animals that have melanin in them, like um, bird feathers have melanin in them. Huh. We can see melanin because melanin uh, gives color to things, right? And so melanin is actually really different. I know, you know, sometimes people think like, oh, there's a good comparison there because um, black folks can feel invisible sometimes, right? Um, mm. You know, Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man was a right. really powerful discussion of, of that experience. But I think one of the things that makes it really different is when black folks, when we feel invisible, 
we feel that way because people are making us feel that way. It right. is not our inherent nature to be invisible, whereas mm. with dark matter, it is dark matter's inherent nature to be invisible. But mm. that is not the natural state of the black person. And that's part of, you know, conscious. I grew up with that. I grew up like I, I quote Deaf Jeff in my book. I grew up with <laughs> Deaf Jeff, right? <laughs> Um, you know, they were saying, like, we're here, we're visible. Um, you know, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud was a statement of visibility. Mm. And so in, in many ways, they're, they're actually very different. And I really think that one of the reasons that there can be confusion around this is the use of the word dark. And yes. so I think that, you know, white scientists, when they hear the word dark, they have a completely different relationship with that word than we do in a community where, you know, we have to have these active conversations about racism and colorism and all of that. You know, it's interesting because I, I'm realizing that for me, I've always kind of thought about melanin as like a superpower. Like it's a superpower that is trying to be contained by the oppressive power. Again, science fiction and I, <laughs> my brain was expansive. But I, I'm, I'm imagining if my grandmother were here, may she rest in peace, she would refer to dark, dark matter as the Holy Spirit, right? Because for mm. her, Christianity and, and a religious interpretation of what's happening in the stars was very important. And so for her, the dark matter would be the Holy Spirit, but the melanin would be the power of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so it's just, I, I'm sorry, I have to, I make these analogies because to me, I have to break these things down the way they make sense. But when we say that melanin conducts e electricity, yes. what does that mean? And, and does that mean that we have, you know, everyone was saying on December 21st, we're going to get our superpowers. Uh, <laughs> I, I tried to tell my son, black people are already superheroes in some ways, but it's not quite in, you know, the Marvel comics sort of way. But what does it mean for melanin to conduct electricity? And does that does that really mean anything for us who are melanated here on planet Earth? You know, I, I, I think that the way to think about that, so melanin is a very interesting molecule, and people have been realizing more and more recently that it uh, is a, a very basic model for molecules that can be used to make superconductors. So it's a good thing to study in the laboratory because it can provide insight into more complicated materials mm. that we might want to use for um, developing greener technologies. So superconductors are maybe a key to, to our green future if we can figure out how to make them work efficiently and affordably at, at room temperature. Mm. Um, so, you know, I... I have like such mixed feelings about like, yes, black people, black folks, we have been called on to be superheroes throughout history. We have been called on to live as if we are superhuman, but we also even though that's that we problematic as right. humans, right? right? We die right. as humans and we shouldn't have to be magic in order to be alive and to mm. like just walk down the street. Right. Mm. I'm, so I'm, I'm always like, I'm, I'm torn about it because like on the one hand, like, yes, I want like, you know, I, to have melanin in your skin is a gift, yeah. I think, because it's beautiful. Yes. It's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating part of our body, but I think it's okay for it to be fascinating because it is and it's part of who we are and we are fascinating because we are people. Ooh, and I, and love that. I think that's enough. I think that's enough. 
I love that. I am in conversation with Dr. Chanda Prescott-Weinstein, and she is blowing my mind about the science of melanin. Uh, there was a quote on your website, doctor, that says, uh, melanin, the material that made eugenicists think people of African descent were inherently stupid, is also the stuff of Afrofuturist techno dreams. And I think that that is such an accurate statement. And I'm I, one of the reasons I was very glad that we had you on air today in particular is because you have something very special happening today. Am I wrong? Is that right? I think yes, yes, I have a book coming out today. Yes. Today is my book birthday. <laughs> Happy book birthday. Talk to us about what is it, the name of the book and, and what we can hope to find uh, once we dive in. Yes, thank you. It's The Disordered Cosmos, A Journey into Dark Matter, Space Time, and Dreams Deferred. It is a book that I wrote for folks like me, folks like you, people who are excited about the universe, who want to understand space time and particle physics, but also want to understand um, physics in the context of society, um, what it means to actually do physics, what it means to actually do science, and, and what it means for, for black folks to do science. This mm. is really a core theme of, of the book for me. And that's so important, especially now. Uh, before you came on, we were having a conversation about the vaccine and, and the role of black scientists and, and doctors in, in the current rollout and, and some controversial roles that were played by black medical and science professionals uh, in, ex- in past uh, experiments. And, and not that this is an experiment, but in the Tuskegee experiment. And so having access to black scientists and, and, and medical professionals who are able to take very um, sometimes overly complex issues and present them in ways that are palatable uh, for those of us who are not inside that scientific ivory tower, I think is so important. And I, I got to say, as an Octavia Butler super fan, I think she's really smiling about this book birthday. Uh, and so we're hoping that it is a blessed one for you. Uh, now, before we get to the end of our time together today, you have been very um, verbal or, or, or talked a lot about the connections and, and the discourse between being black and Jewish, uh, particularly in the time of Black Lives Matter. Can you share with the audience how those identities inform your racial and social Social justice analysis. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's, I think being black and Jewish is still something that people are still grappling with the idea that someone can be both, right? Mm. Um, and so there is this constant feeling of needing to remind people that we exist. Like you and I were just talking about invisibility. And I think black, being black and Jewish at the same time is its own kind of like struggle around invisibility. Because in the Jewish community, and I've had this experience many times, so I'm like, I'm a fair, I'm, I'm light skinned, right? I'm fairly light skinned for a black person, but I go into Jewish spaces and it's immediately people are like, oh, are you a guest here? Do you know anything mm. about being Jewish? And I'm like, wow. yes, my last name is Weinstein. I was born with the last name Weinstein. I am mm. Jewish. I know these things, right? And then going into conversations with black folks where, you know, the relationship is complicated. Um, a lot of uh, black folks have had negative experiences with white people who are also Jewish mm. and sometimes assume that the negative experience is because they are Jewish and not because, you know, it's, it's anti-black racism that a lot of folks engage in. And it right. has nothing to do with like the Torah it doesn't tell people to be racist against black people. Mm. That's not the Jewishness talking. That's living in a white supremacist society talking, mm. right? And and so having having to kind of navigate those two things at the same time. And actually, one of the things I talk about in my chapter in the physics of melanin is like helping people understand 
that actually using people's appearance is not always a great proxy for understanding their heritage Um, because genetics doesn't work that way, right? right? Uh, But people make a lot of assumptions, uh, and, and those assumptions really, when things get tense, between, you know, when people talk about black people versus Jewish people or, quote, black anti-Semitism, mm. black Jews always get caught in the middle of that stuff. And it's tough. It is. I can only imagine how tough it might be to, to have to sit in the role of, of almost eternal translator. Uh, but something tells me if anyone is called to step up to that occasion, I'm pretty sure you've got it on lock. <laughs> I would hate to have to tussle uh, with you on that regard and be on the wrong side of the question. Uh, Dr. Chanda Prescott Weinstein, one of only less than 60 black women to have received an advanced degree from a, phys- a physics department. Her book is out today, uh, Dark Matter, Space Time and freedom dreams and so this is something that i want us to support uh we need more black genius flourishing in this world uh and dr prescott weinstein i hope we can get you to come back uh for some additional conversation about some of the highly complicated and yet very relatable issues that you talk about so well yeah thank you so much for having me on absolutely absolutely Dr. Chanda Prescott-Weinstein, she is brilliant. And I tell you, that that made my brain stretch a bit. I hope they did the same for you as well. The science of melanin is something I am fascinated by. And I'm so glad that we have people in positions of power who are able to talk about them uh, in ways that work for us. 